from the heart of flyover country. He's not on the far right, and he's certainly not on the far left. Like you, he's somewhere in the middle. This is Dale Carter's America. Well, we're back for another exciting episode. I am Dale. Kurt Wheeler is with me. And uh, today, as we record the 18th episode of Dale Carter's America, 18 episodes in, when do we get syndication? We'll say we're in the negotiating stages okay, still. That's yeah. what we're doing. We're in the negotiating <laughs> stages about syndication. We'll be talking to the big boss about that. Today is actually tax day. It is uh, tax day, and we're not kidding day. Um, because April 15th is normally tax day, two years in a row because of COVID. They push back tax day, so today they really mean it. Yes. Uh, you can also file an extension, so maybe they don't really mean it. Uh, but if you owe money to the IRS, today is the day. Yep, and I, I waited you know, a little bit longer than I should have, but I did get it in. So, Well, you know, in, in my message to the president and everybody at the IRS, um, you know, we all handle our taxes and our withholding differently, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, because I do a lot of stuff on the side that doesn't get taxed, I, I uh, have more withheld from my regular paycheck mm-hmm. to cover that. Right. What, you, what you look for is a balance between those two. Mm-hmm. You don't want to give the government a huge interest-free loan, right? And you don't want to have to pay. Right. So that, there's a balance in there. Uh, and because of COVID, I had a disastrous 2020, like that's many what you people said. did. Yeah, that's a, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people did, uh, and, uh, but I didn't change my withholding at my regular job. So that means I have a fairly healthy tax refund coming, something I don't usually get. And you still haven't gotten it yet. And I still haven't gotten it. And and we filed in February Mm. and and still haven't gotten it. So President Biden and the folks at the IRS, just for me, Dale, at Dale Carter's America, um, you owe me some money. This is not one of those handout deals. You know, I'm not looking for anything. It's not an entitlement. It is my money, which I loan to the government interest-free. Right. And I'd like it. Yeah, that would be nice. Can somebody write me a check? Uh, well, I, I certainly can't. But. Well, I know you can't, but, but somebody please write me a check. Uh, this is definitely tax day, so um, good luck with all that. COVID, is, of course, is in the news, and COVID is kind of the, um, the thing that we're going to talk the most about today. But just to lead off on COVID, Target now has joined other retailers. They were one of the holdouts. They were still going to have a mask mandate, even yeah. though nobody else had one, yeah. right? Target relaxes the mask mandate for employees and shoppers who have been vaccinated. If you haven't been vaccinated or if there is still a mask ordinance, a strong one where you are, uh, you got to wear a mask inside Target. Kansas City Royals, by the way, they're coming home after kind of a dreadful road trip. Um, They've taken away the mask mandate at the K. Oh, really? They have. That's great. I didn't realize that. I might actually go to a game now. I'm ready to go. I want to go this weekend. Um, haven't been to a game. Obviously, we didn't go last year because they didn't have any fans in the stands. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was looking forward to to going to sporting events and stuff like that, but just you know, wearing a mask outside in a stadium was just kind of off putting to me. So I didn't really bother getting yeah. a ticket. But if they took the mask mandate away, then yeah, I'll go for sure. It's going to be interesting with the Chiefs because the Chiefs uh, have are they going to be at full capacity? There'll be seventy eight thousand people at Arrowhead, and those people are going to be packed in tight. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to what happened with COVID. And whether you think there are any, you know, black helicopters involved in this, whether there's a conspiracy of some, you're nodding. You do, right? You, oh, you're I've, kind of a conspiracy buff. Hey, well, I, I don't know about that, but maybe, maybe. Right. Well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> what do you think of little green men, aliens? Do you believe in all that? <laughs> well, they're not green, Dale. They're, ah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, because 60 Minutes was all over this last night. 
Uh, all over what? All over the whole, whole alien thing, and they're taking it seriously. Marco Rubio was actually on uh, the show last night uh, talking about UFOs. Rubio says the issue has a stigma on Capitol Hill. Some colleagues kind of giggle when it's brought up, but he says that can't stop us from answering a very fundamental question. Is there life out there? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's uh, something everyone thinks about, you know, and that's why uh, it captures the imagination of the public. You know, whenever there's whenever there's something that comes out that seems suspicious or that something from another world. I mean, there have been a lot of, I guess you could say, very strange happenings. You know, I don't know if you saw a few years ago, there was um, Commander David Fravor, who was a fighter pilot, I think U.S. Navy fighter yeah. pilot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he and his squadron were out on a uh, recon mission and they came across a flying object that basically defied all laws of physics and they got some of it on uh, video. And, you know, that, that that was, I think, the most compelling case that I've heard just because this is a guy that was that's a very well-respected um, fighter pilot in the military. You know, he's a commander of a squadron, yeah. you know, and, and all that. So I think there's some... Uh, credibility that comes with that but you know we'll see i mean i think it's just interesting to talk about more than anything are you more star trek star wars or you don't give a shit either way um i was more of a star wars fan growing up i mean i, I saw the newer star trek movies and yeah. i saw like a couple of the old ones i never watched really the tv show but i saw um you know like the wrath of khan way back in the oh, day what and, a great movie and i uh, cried when spock died and then what the other one with what's the one with the uh the humpback whales i saw that one oh, that's too. a good one if you want to go back I to think the Star Trek Four, Star Trek Four, that's like Star that. Trek Four, the yeah. Voyage Home. If the you Voyage want to go home, back yeah, to the right. Star Trek movies, the even numbered ones are the really good ones. Oh, okay. The odd number ones suck. Oh, really? I mean, we may get some mail on that, but uh, and Dale C at kfkf dot com. If you ever have any uh, feedback on this, but if you're a Star Trek movie fan or a Star Trek series fan like I am, uh, the even numbered movies really good. The odd number ones were just not good at all. I have a reason for bringing that up. I mean, I'm not going down a rat hole here. <laughs> The, the, we could, it doesn't because, you know, um, Star Trek First Contact, mm -hmm. that's the one where the new generation took over. You know, mm -hmm. pa uh, Patrick Stewart, you know, mm -hmm. John Luke Picard and all mm -hmm. those guys, they took over and they went back in time, which they do a lot in Star Trek. And they came back to when First Contact was made with the Vulcans. That, apparently in Star Trek lore uh, is the first alien encounter. Mm -hmm. And they made that contact because we had achieved warp speed i mean they've mm -hmm. done some experiments and there was going to be a warp thing and they'd see the signature for it and then they made their first contact i am wondering if whatever's buzzing around our planet and i do think there's probably something out there you can't have something as big as we have the universe and the mm -hmm. galaxy and all that and we're the only thing here i just I, I don't buy that so you know maybe they're waiting until we get our shit together before they're going to land and say hey we're here yeah. and we're peaceful and all that um, because we are a long way away from that. They're they're waiting for Joe Biden's second term as president when everything is going to be peachy and just we're going to have all of our stuff together and it's going to be perfect. And I then, don't think then that's the make, case. I out. really don't. And I'm going to take you into the way back machine back to uh, Twilight Zone. There's mm -hmm. a great Twilight Zone episode mm -hmm. about um, an alien encounter. Okay. Did you ever watch The Addams Family, the guy who played Lurch? The big guy. Uh, a couple times. And I, I have seen a few Twilight Zone episodes. Have too. you seen the one, To Serve Man? I don't remember. It's been a while. Okay. Well, while. this is a great story because the guy who played Lurch is in that episode and he doesn't speak, but he comes off the spaceship and he's got this book 
and it's finally trans and they keep taking folks on the spaceship to wherever it is they go and somebody finally deciphers the book and translates it and to serve man is a cookbook mm. they're coming to get people to ah. take back to eat ah so um, we'll be very careful about whatever alien contact is made right um but uh, yeah to serve man is a cookbook well i'm a, I'm a big sci-fi nerd uh books you know i read a lot of sci-fi yeah. back back in college and high school and stuff like that there's there's a few uh, really good sci-fi books about this particular subject. I would recommend uh, anybody out there who's listening and enjoys sci-fi. I'd recommend Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. Okay, is a is a very good book about exactly this. That sounds like like high drawer type stuff. Well, I'm talking Star Wars, Star right. Trek, <laughs> and, and you're, fair enough. And to serve man from Twilight Zone, and you're coming up with some. Uh, I thought maybe you'd say Isaac Asimov or something. Yeah, like Asimov's that. good. Yeah. All right. I, at least that's a name that I know. All right, moving into uh, the more political realm here, Lynn Cheney in the last week has been the big news story on Capitol Hill as the Republicans in the House strip her of her stripes as the number three Republican in the House. Um, (laughs) And I have some strong feelings about this, and I know it it may offend some people, and that's okay, right? Sure. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. So far, at even least. me, yeah. <laughs> I can have an yeah. opinion, right? Yes. Okay. We'll get into that with masks and all that coming up. Uh, but the Democrats would like nothing more than for the story to be Lynn Cheney. You agree with that, right? Well, I think they're making the story Lynn Cheney because I mean, in, in, in a normal circumstance, I mean, people get stripped from committee chairs all the time. People are changed out in committees all the time and it doesn't make the news. So I think the reason that it's a story is because the liberal media, the mainstream media has decided that it's going to be a story because they want to focus on, you know, the fact that the Republicans are ousting one of their own because it makes good headlines for them and it fits their narrative. Well, I think if it was a Democrat, they wouldn't be talking about right. it. Right. She spoke out against Donald Trump for the two of you who don't know why we're talking about Lynn Cheney right now and the Republicans their strategy for both, and I want to talk about it from both sides. From the Republicans' point of view, they don't want the story in 2022 to be Donald Trump. They want it to be issue-oriented and the things that Donald Trump stood for and not the clown car that comes with it. And I'm going to give you an example of this because I know we don't 100% agree on Donald Trump's effect on things. But you go back to the uh, 2020 election to turn the Senate the Democrats had to, in some inexplicable way, flip both of those seats in the Senate to the Democratic column. In Georgia, yeah. In Georgia, in red state Georgia. Nobody believed that was going to happen. Donald Trump flew down there, had this big rally, and, and I said to myself that if Donald Trump goes down there and he says, look, you know, this happened, we'll deal with all that later, what I really need, I need these two folks in the Senate to continue the mission of what we, you know, what mm-hmm. we started, mm-hmm. uh, we can't lose the Senate. It's mm-hmm. that important. And what he did was classic Donald Trump. He went down there and made the story about him, mm-hmm. you know, and how he was robbed, how it was rigged, blah, 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 blah. And, and I know that deep red state Republicans voted for the Republicans in that election. But just like in the presidential election in places like suburban Philadelphia, uh, there were women in particular, uh, suburban women who were tired of the message. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. And they either didn't vote or they voted for one of the Democrats. And we lost both of those seats. And that's what we have to turn the corner on now. And that's why the Republicans took Lynn Cheney out of that role. Uh, they've got somebody else in there now 
who has the narrative, who is going to talk about Trump policies, the things that he got accomplished, and aren't going to deal with the personality. But, you know, Chris Wallace was a guy that I thought fairly called balls and strikes. And when I when I watched Fox News Sunday and the fact that this was front and center for him, he's trying to keep that narrative out there about Lynn Cheney. It told me pretty much everything I need to know about Chris Wallace if I hadn't already come to that conclusion. And, and what is that? Well, you know, you use the term rhino. Maybe right. he's not even a rhino. Maybe he's a Democrat. I completely agree, which is why I, I made a face that doesn't, you know, come across on podcasts. But when you said Chris Wallace calls balls and strikes, I, I yeah. winced a little bit. Well, so I just I gave mean, you look, look back at the the uh, debate. You remember the right. debate with oh, Chris absolutely. Wallace? That was, it was a terrible. shit show. Yeah. yeah. And, and I thought, you know, that he was going to be the guy who was going to fairly call the balls and strikes, and he was clearly um, shilling for Biden, which is what the media does. They shill for Biden. So I gave you the strategy from the Republican perspective. Make it about Trump's policies, the things that he got done, and not so much about the personality. On the Democrats' side, they want Donald Trump in this debate. Mm-hmm. They have to have Donald Trump in this debate because what's happening in this country is so terrible right now. I mean— you, you can't uh, – one of the phrases I use, and this will probably make cat owners unhappy, but I say you can't swing a dead cat without hitting something, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't swing a dead cat in this deal without hitting a terrible policy that's going on right now. Yeah. From the southern border to Israel that we're going to talk about, the the gas crisis, which was a self-inflicted wound. Most of these wounds on Joe Biden so far mm-hmm. are definitely self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. So that's what they want to do. They, they've got to keep Donald Trump front and center – and the Republicans are, to use the cat metaphor that I like as well, uh, are trying to bury it like a cat turd and just make <laughs> the story about the policies and the policy differences uh, that we have. Uh, the, the, the thing that the Democrats want to see most of all is what we call the circular firing squad. Normally, it's on the Democrat side. They're really good at it. They invented the term circular firing squad. They want to see the Republicans in a circular firing squad. Well, yeah, I think it's all about who is controlling the narrative. Like, like I said before, I mean, the the reason that we're talking about Lynn Cheney is because the media has decided that we're going to talk about Lynn Cheney. You know, the reason that we're talking about, I mean, e- even during the Trump administration, you know, the reason that we are always talking about Trump's Twitter feed and whatnot is because that's what was decided that we were going to talk about. We didn't, they didn't want us to talk about the actual policy because Trump was right on policy, you know, so I think Republicans need to really grow a spine, you know, Republicans in Congress and, uh, you know, hopefully there, there will be more of a, uh, conservative media uprising as there sort of has been. And as we're trying to hear, do here as well, but, you know, just, just pushing back on the narrative and speaking on our terms, you know, speaking about what we want to speak about and not just responding and defending all the time. You know what I mean? Well, Which you know, and, and I kind of what's happening with Donald this, Trump was his own worst enemy a lot. And, and I said from the beginning of his term, I said, if somebody had taken his phone away and put it in a drawer, if if Twitter had bounced him early in his term, you know, that we might be talking about a second term of Donald Trump. I, I think he, a lot of his wounds were self-inflicted. Yes, the media amplified it because he played right into their hands. Yeah, but I, I mean, I mean, I sort of disagree with you. I I, I think uh, his Twitter feed was one of the best things about his presidency, just because he was the most transparent president we've had in mo- in modern history. I mean, as we've talked about before, but I, I do agree with you that um, his his uh, speech and and rhetoric, you know, going into Georgia and making everything about himself, saying the election was rigged and all that, regardless of the the actual evidence about the election, which there is, you know, plenty of questionable things that happened that could be talked about. 
I don't think politically it was very uh, wise for him to do that no, politi- at that time just because, yeah. you know, we, we needed those two seats, and I, I don't right. think he had the right message there. I would I, agree with I you on that. I think politically it was stupid, but that's just me. Moving on to uh, the Middle East, and uh, this is another one of those consequences that happens when elections happen. Elections have consequences, and things happen as a result. Uh, and there's basically all-out war in Israel right now between Israel and uh, Hamas. I won't even say the Palestinians. I'll say Hamas, uh, which is a terrorist organization. Can we say that without offending too many people? Uh, we, we can say whatever we want. That's I agree. exactly <laughs> what they are. Israel's yeah. prime minister vowing not to let terrorists get away with shooting rockets at his country. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu was on Face the Nation. He says attacking Israel through the shield of civilians is what Hamas is up to, and that's what they do. He claims that they're using neighborhoods, schools, and other non-military areas as defense to protect their people from Israeli forces. Netanyahu says his military is being as precise and careful as they can be with their coordinated strikes in Gaza, and they mourn all of the loss of life in the conflict. The Israeli leader also denouncing other world leaders crying foul about his military response, saying it only adds fuel for Hamas to extend and deepen the conflict. Now, closer to home, there were hundreds of people who showed up at Mill Creek Park where uh, protests normally happen in our town. Personally, I like the the PETA protests where they all stand out there naked. Have you seen those? (laughs) No, I haven't. It does happen. Uh, But this protest uh, was in support of Palestine and Palestinians. About 300 people gathered at Mill Creek Park near the plaza uh, Saturday night for a pro-Palestinian rally in March. Organizers say they held the event in support of Palestinian human rights and to condemn violence against Palestinians in and around Gaza. The Jewish Federation of Greater Kansas City released a statement condemning the tearing down of an Israeli flag at Brush Creek uh, during Saturday's event. So that's kind of the conflict. It's been going on forever. In case you don't know, a little history lesson. Israel was formed in 1948, coming out of World War II. It was set up as the Jewish home state after World War II. In case you don't know or aren't aware, about 6 million Jews were killed in Europe during the Holocaust, and this was something that was done for them coming out of World War II. And there's been violence in the Middle East ever since. Israel, our ally, by the way, is surrounded on all sides except the Mediterranean side by people who hate them and don't want them to exist. That is the world that they live in. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think... um it's really interesting to see the the narrative about this conflict, you know, out there. It, it seems that Israel is viewed as like the only country that's not allowed to defend themselves. You know, they're anytime they defend themselves, it's like, oh, look, Israel's being aggressive. They're being terrorists. They're being blah blah blah. Yeah. But they're literally they're they're getting hundreds of rockets per day shot into their country. Thankfully, they have uh, an advanced system, you Iron know, the Dome. Iron Dome defense yep. system Love to it. shoot down the rockets, but. Some of them still make it through, and regardless of whether they make it through or not, that's an attack on a on a sovereign nation. You know, it I is. mean, imagine if imagine if Mexico started firing rockets into Texas. You're getting ahead of me because I wanted to because I didn't want anybody to say, "Hey, you're being racist over there." So I even changed it to, "What if Canada were right. lobbing missiles at right. us? Canada, Mexico, whatever." Like, I just use the. What would we do? Yeah, I mean, so. What we would do is we would say we would shoot them down. We would fire back. We would say stop. And if you don't stop, we're going to take you out 
And if they didn't stop, we'd we, take them would, out. we would take them out. We would go in there and we'd take them out, you know, and that's exactly what that's exactly what Israel is uh, is going to be doing, I think, here. And it looks like they have ground troops going into Gaza and all that. But it's just uh, it's insane, you know, that this is a terrorist organization that is running this area, you know, that is not a country. It's not it has no legitimate government. It's run by a terrorist organization that is founded by the Iranians. And through proxy, if you look at the Iran deal, you know, through us, right. through the Americans, exactly. we, fun- we funded Iran. Iran is funding Hamas. Therefore, we're funding Hamas. This is and why. we fund Israel, too, you know, to be fair. I sure. mean, you know, I think there's an argument for uh, more of a, an isolationist approach to foreign policy generally. But certainly it is very clear in this case that there is, you know, Israel is is being attacked and uh, Hamas is the aggressor. Israel is a relatively Western country. Um, that we should be allied with, you know, we should defend them at least in in the way Israel that we speak about them. You know, is the only democracy in the Middle East. They yep. are our strong ally, and they are not, you know, willy nilly throwing rockets into Palestinian areas. Right. You just said that, but that's the difference. The difference is Hamas is the aggressor here. And again, we get back to elections have consequences. So Biden wins. All of a sudden, we're back in bed with the Iranians. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got cash again, and and they're going to test this new president. Uh, I made some notes about that, too, because what we're getting with Joe Biden, I want to get this on the record, too. Everybody says it's the third term of Barack Obama. It's not. It's the second term of Jimmy Carter. This is the second term that Jimmy Carter did not get. Now, this is before you were born. I lived through it. Um, The word that was used was malaise, okay? We had a gas crisis going on. Uh, bad actors in the world were testing our president as they always do. This goes back in history. I'll even take you back further than that. FDR came in as the president, okay? And we decided that we were going to try and shut down Japan. So there was an oil embargo place in place. Um, and so the Japanese attacked us at Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. okay? What would Joe Biden have done if we'd been attacked at Pearl Harbor? What would Jimmy Carter have done if we'd been attacked at Pearl Harbor? I have no idea. We, you know, we mobilized this country and the greatest generation took the fight to them Mm -hmm. and it took four years, but we pounded them back to the stone age. Literally when Harry Truman, another Mm -hmm. Democrat dropped two atomic weapons on Japan, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what those presidents did when they were tested. Another Democrat, because some people think that I pick on Democrats all the time. John F. Kennedy was tested by Khrushchev. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Did John F. Kennedy fold? Mm -hmm. Did he genuflect Mm -hmm. when nuclear weapons were put in Cuba right off the coast of Florida? Mm -hmm. He did not. Um, He put in a quarantine, which was basically an act of war against the Soviet Union. And he said any missile launched from Cuba will be seen as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States and will retaliate with a full retaliatory strike. Now, the bullies in Russia, all the way down to Putin, you got to punch him in the nose. Right. Just like a bully that you would, uh, you know, would bully you on the, on the school playground, you got to punch him in the nose and say, we're not going to take your shit. And right now, everybody out there who's a bully is testing Joe Biden just like they tested Jimmy Carter. I, it'd be interesting to, to sort of, um, navigate how much of this Palestinian aggression is is due to the change in American president. I don't, I don't really know. I, I think that's a lot of speculation well, at this it's point. It's a lot of speculation, and they weren't doing it before. And, and right. how I want to tie this to Trump policy right. versus Biden policy, Trump basically said, look, Palestinians, y- you were given a homeland, okay? Yasser Arafat said, we don't want that. 
They didn't want right. that. They want unrest in the Middle East. They're well, just they, as, they want the destruction of Israel of as, as their do. goal. I mean, that's the, uh, the goal of the Iranians. That's the goal of Hamas. That's the goal of the Palestinian Authority. And I think the, the best, you know, uh, simplification of this or analogy to use is that if the Palestinians laid down their arms, the conflict would be over tomorrow. It if would. If Israel laid down their arms, there would be no state of Israel tomorrow. There wouldn't. They You're would right. be wiped out. So what Donald Trump did, you may recall, is he said, you know what, screw you, Palestinians, Hamas, and all that. We're not, we've given you a chance. You don't want peace. We get that. And so he negotiated side deals with right. other Middle Eastern countries with Israel. Right. That is the smart way to play this. Yeah. Just make them a non-factor, right. and ultimately they're going to tell Hamas— Knock it off. Yeah. Knock this stuff off. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's that's the idea. You know, it's, it, it, I guess it depends on how seriously UAE and these other nations are going to take their their peace treaties with with Israel. But I mean, yeah, certainly the it, it's just like I said, it's it's just troubling to see that for some reason Israel is treated as the only country that can't defend itself. You know, it's ridiculous. And and if the same thing happened to us, we would be. You know, I mean, we'd be sending uh, we'd be sending missiles in there. Well, too, it wouldn't you know? be happening to us, I don't think, even with Joe Biden as president. But to take you back historically to how Jimmy Carter was tested, I mean, the the hostages were taken in Iran, mm-hmm. and this country was paralyzed. Mm-hmm. We couldn't do anything about it. And the day Ronald Reagan took the oath of office to be president, those hostages were in the air on their way back mm-hmm. because they knew Reagan wasn't going to mess around, mm-hmm. um, and they knew the same thing about Trump that Trump wasn't going to mess around. You know, we've had this disagreement. I don't like how Trump gets on Twitter and all that, and he, he name calls and all that. Uh, but he's the guy, if you're in a school playground and there's a bully, you want Trump at your back. Right. And and as I said before, I mean, you have to take the good with the bad. That's That's the thing that we talked about last week and that I keep harping on about Trump is that you know, say what you want about his, the way that he talks and about his, him being on Twitter and all that stuff, but he is the only guy out of all 16 people that ran for president on the Republican primary that would have done most of these things, you know, in terms of moving the embassy, you know, specifically about right. what we're talking about now, in right. terms of moving the embassy, in terms of negotiating these uh, peace treaties with Israel and other countries, you know, um, building up the military you know, pushing back on the UN, pushing back on NATO, saying you guys need to pay your way. I, I don't, I don't see anyone else doing that, and it, and it's because you know he has, he has this kind of arrogant, you know, businessman attitude to him that you know is ugly sometimes. But like yeah. he's the guy that he's the guy that did that stuff, and and I don't think. You know, even other people that I like, you know, like Ted Cruz or, or whoever that were running, I don't think they would have done some yeah. of that stuff. Well, he's like a New Yorker. Well, he is a New Yorker. Right. And, you know, if you've ever been, you're, you're kind of an East Coast guy. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, I worked on the East Coast for about three years and, and I didn't like a lot of those people. They were <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, t- I've, I've moderated a little bit since. <laughs> you uh, have. Since I'll give you a quick story because I, you know, I'm a middle, I'm a Midwestern kind of a guy, right? right? I grew up in Evansville, Indiana, which is one of the friendliest communities in the world, mm-hmm. right? I end up in Hartford, Connecticut for three years, mm-hmm. and after it wasn't even three years, and then I came here for the uh, the job interview in Kansas City, and I landed at the airport, and a guy starts talking to me in the airport. Mm-hmm. My first thought is he's trying to pick me up. Right. It's like, what are you doing? And then I get to the hotel, and somebody else is talking to me because Kansas City's a friendly city, right? Just like Evansville is, and the East Coast not so much. And Hartford, Connecticut, I mean that's pretty mild as far as east coast cities go you know well it's you not know, philly or new york right. or boston so. if, if, if you're familiar with connecticut at all uh, there are places like bridgeport and waterbury i lived in waterbury mm-hmm. okay 
which is, yeah, not quite so friendly. Uh, it's not the picturesque view that you see of New England, the landscape right. and all that. Right, right, The right. hills and all that. The Litchfield Hills is maybe what you're thinking about in Connecticut. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. The cities, eh, not so much. And I don't want to get mail from Connecticut people. My number <laughs> we four, love Connecticut. Yeah, my number four son was born there. And on his Facebook page, he says his hometown is Waterbury. Even though he, he, he never lived there, he was born there. And then we moved to Kansas City right after he oh, was born. Nice. Well, so he was raised in, in Blue Springs. So does that pretty much take care of um, the Israel topic? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I mean, they've been doing this for thousands of years. They've been fighting for yeah. thousands of years. And really nothing we say is going to prevent them from fighting. Uh, but just know who our friend in that region is. Our friend is the state of Israel. Only democracy. They're our friend in the Middle East. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I think, like I said, I, I – am sort of more a little bit more isolationist sometimes than the uh, standard conservative. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm still making up my mind on how I feel about financial support of various countries, you know, but I, certainly in this conflict, you know, there's there's clearly like a good guy and a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's there's really no question. It's really obvious. And it's I don't think it could be any more obvious. And it, it really and surprises me like to go to go to this uh protest in, in Kansas City on Saturday. I actually saw it. I was on my way to, um, I played a wedding gig on Saturday. So I was driving to, I was driving through the plaza to get up to the uh, Marriott yeah. uh, Plaza Hotel, which is where the wedding was. And there was like hundreds of people. And I honestly, I, I hate to admit this, but I didn't recognize the flag right away. I mm. saw a bunch of people waving that flag and I was like, I know, recognize that flag. What is that like Egypt or something like that? And then I saw a guy driving past and he had Palestine on his truck. And I was like, oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> but to the extent that there are um, civilian casualties going on right now in the Gaza Strip, it's because not only is Hamas the aggressor here by lobbing Israel, uh, you know, grenades and missiles and all that, uh, they also don't play fair. Um, they put themselves in schools. Yeah. They grab kids as shields because they're just like the bully. They're gutless. Well, they're literally launching rockets from schools yeah. and mosques and just community gutless. centers. Yeah. So yeah. So now we move on to the, um, the, the the kind of the centerpiece topic. And as you can see, I don't really have much by way of notes on this uh, because we're going to talk about COVID, um, where we are today, where we came from, the year that we went through, just... Uh, it's a year that we're never going to get back. No, and I think this past year has, there's been serious damage done to our society in this past year. Indeed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and like on the air last week, I was talking about this because I got the vaccine. I got the Moderna vaccine, both of them. Um, and I was going to do that from day one when this became the thing that it was going to become and it shut down our economy and people had to work from home. We didn't hear, but uh, people had to work from home and all that. And I heard the president talking about his the goal of his administration was an all-government approach to get to a vaccine. Everybody was saying it'll take you a year and a half at the least, probably more like two to three years. This is our new normal. And Trump put in Operation Warp Speed and guess what? By the end of the year, we had a vaccine, and I made the decision that I was going to get it. Now, I know some people don't agree with that. There are anti-vaxxers out there, and then there are also people who don't agree with me taking off the mask, even though the mask mandate was finally lifted by uh, the mayor of Kansas City and the county executive of Jackson County. They finally did that, and I said, okay, 
I mean, I'm vaccinated. What was the point of getting the vaccine if I still have to wear a mask? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and now people are complaining about that. So you get to a point where you can't win. Well, the the goalpost is constantly shifting. I mean, that's that's been the whole story with COVID is is that the goalpost has shifted throughout this entire process, and right. they're testing us to see how much control they can take over over the average American and over society. And the answer, unfortunately, is a lot. We gave them a lot. We gave them a lot. And that's why I said, you know, this year has really changed a lot in our society. It's It showed that people are willing to do whatever they're told on a whim. You know, it showed that we can just shut down our entire country. Nobody seems to care about the data. Nobody seems to care about what's the real death rate. Nobody seems to care that if you look at the way they're counting COVID deaths, that the number that we are seeing of the number of people who have died from COVID is very clearly exaggerated. It's very clearly less than what they're saying it is because of the way that they're counting COVID deaths. Exactly. If you die in a car accident and you test positive, you die you from are a COVID. COVID death. So, right. And, 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 you know, that may sound ridiculous, but that's literally the truth. That's what's been happening this entire time. So, but people don't seem to pay attention to that. And it's just like, you know, uh, I don't know, man. People are just sheep, unfortunately, you know, and it. And yeah. And there are people who call me a sheep, you know, for going out and getting the vaccine. Where are you at on the vaccine? Do you... Well, I'm a I'm a pragmatist on the vaccine. I, I Did you get it or not? No. OK, so no. that's your decision and you get to make that decision. But Here's the thing, though. I mean, I think people should be able to get the vaccine if they want. You right. know, obviously, like if somebody's older, if somebody's overweight, if somebody has a heart condition or pre-existing conditions, they want to take the vaccine. That's exactly. fine. But life is life is a a risk analysis all the time. You take risks every day, getting in your car, going to your job, you know, going to the store, what have you. People take part in unhealthy activities all the time, myself included, you know, but you have to look at what is your actual risk from the virus and is it really necessary to get this vaccine? And then, and then for me, my calculation is no, it's not necessary. And then on top of that, I see people constantly virtue signaling about the vaccine. I see moves being made towards either mandating the vaccine or creating like a discrimination based on people getting the vaccine or right. not getting the vaccine. And that makes me want to get it less. I'm like, it's like pushing back and like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not virtue signaling. I hope you don't take it that I'm virtue <laughs> no, signaling no, you're by not. doing that. You're not. Um, I made the decision, conscious decision for me that I was going to get the vaccine. I never get the flu shot. I mean, I'm like, okay, let's. I'm going to do this because I want to get back to my normal life. But what I put out on Facebook, and you know, it caused another firestorm. Was you know, unless these aliens who are coming back, you know, all these UFOs, unless we get aliens who come here and give us the secret to eternal life, we all know going into this that we're going to die. Right. Right. Everybody knows that. Uh, I always say life is short. Death is certain, so live every day to the fullest that you can live it. You know, uh, whether it's heart disease or cancer or uh, an accident, falling off a ladder, you know, coming to Westport at 3 a.m. to go to work every day and you have to have your head on a swivel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all going to die at some point, and we die a little more if we let our government say, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, you know, what? It, it's, it struck me several times during the course of the year but when our president, Joe Biden, said, if you're all really good, maybe on the 4th of July, you can get together in small groups right. and celebrate the 4th of July. One of my friends put up on Facebook a, a copy of the Declaration of Independence. Here is my permission slip. Right. And then the Constitution right next to it. These attacks on our freedom, 
Uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, what are we? Are we sheep? It's it's time to not be sheep. Well, I think we'd be having a different conversation if this was a very, very deadly virus, which it, it's not. Like the bubonic and, plague and, and people's eyes were popping out all over the yeah. place, dropping dead in the middle of the street. Yeah. I mean, what we know now, um, we've got the vaccine. We also have therapeutics. And we have the best minds in the world who have studied this thing now for over a year. Right. We know so much more about it. Right. Right. So it's time for us to come out of this, get back to our lives. You know, like I said last time on the podcast, you cannot listen to KFKF for any length of time and not hear this company trying to hire people, this company trying to hire people. It's time to get back to work. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the man, there's there's so much to to unpack with with the whole COVID thing. And we haven't really had a full episode about it. But one of the things that has bothered me the most throughout this entire process is the hypocrisy of people blatant. Everyone is a hypocrite. And I've and I've encountered it personally. And this is why I never express concern about the virus, because I know that it's I know that it's affected people. I know people have died. You know, that's very unfortunate. And I have all the sympathy in the world for them, but I'm out here trying to live my life like mm-hmm. normal. And I've been, you know, for example, I'll give an example. Last weekend, I had another wedding gig in Kansas City. It was a packed house. It was like over a hundred people. It was indoors in a hotel. Very few people wearing masks, myself included. I did not wear a mask the entire time. We got invited to an after party, which was downstairs at um, a bar in uh, Crown Center. Okay. So I'm down there and I'm with a couple people from the band and one of my bandmates who I'm not going to mention their name, he's standing there at the bar and he's like, oh man, I feel like it's too early for this. Like nobody's wearing a mask. It's too early. People shouldn't be out. And I wanted to turn to him and say, you're here, aren't you? Like you're here standing at the bar waiting for a drink. It's clearly not too early or else you wouldn't be here. You know, and that the same thing has happened like in my personal life throughout this entire process, people who are living their lives like normal, they're out there trying to make money. They're out there trying to work. They're out there trying to be, live their life. Like they have been, they're going over people's houses. They're hanging out with their friends. And then out of the other side of their mouth, they're saying, Oh, well, you know, people just don't take this seriously. Like, Oh, Americans are stupid because they're not wearing masks. Nobody's taking this serious or else we wouldn't be having people dying. It's like, well, if that's the case then you're part of the problem, because you know, it's just the hypocrisy is just blatant. You know? Well, you know, we live in a free country, allegedly. So uh, if you really feel that strongly about it, you know, you should probably never leave your house. Yeah, seriously. You should bolt yourself in the basement and never come out. Yeah. And, you know, let those of us who want to live our lives and be free and take those chances that we take every day, you get behind the wheel of a car and you take a chance. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's part of what it is to be an American, what it is to be free. Yeah. And at, at this point, you know, I, I especially this far in, maybe I would have thought differently early on, but I'm pretty much completely unconvinced that anyone really is that concerned anymore. You know, at least the people that I encounter, yeah. it'd be one thing if somebody was cooped up in their house, locked in their basement, you know, they're really concerned, they're yeah. high risk or whatever, and they want to talk about people need to do X, Y, Z. I can have a respectful disagreement sure. with them. absolutely. But actually, but at least they're putting their actions, you know, with what they're saying, you know well, what I mean? Well, and if you're high risk, you need to, to make prudent decisions about your own health. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, do the things that you think you need to do. 
But stop, you know, making fun of people who are wearing masks. That's called mask shaming, okay? And and you folks on the other side, don't make fun of me because I got the shots and don't make fun of me because I think at this point in the game, you know, I can go mask-free. At least that's what the CDC is telling me. That's the guidance. What do you make about that? I mean, there's there's some conspiracy theories that the CDC pivoted to cover Joe Biden because things are so bad right now in the country, they needed to pivot. I don't know about that, man. I mean, I just want this to be over. So whatever, <laughs> I do too. you know, whatever, by by any means necessary. And I mean, the, as far as the masks, I mean, let's talk about the masks. Okay. So let's go back to March 2020. Mm-hmm. I posted this on my personal Facebook page. I'll drop the link right now of Fauci saying don't wear masks. There's a lot of confusion among people and misinformation surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? The masks are important for someone who's infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. Well, you know, there's that clip. And there's also the Joe Biden clip about uh, when President Trump cut off travel from China that he was being, I can't remember, because there's two words that kind of go together here, xenophobic or jingoistic. Which one did he use? We can go back to the clip and find out, but he did say it. But neither should we panic or fall back on xenophobia. Labeling COVID-19 a foreign virus does not displace accountability for the misjudgments that have been taken thus far by the Trump administration. Banning all travel from Europe or any other part of the world may slow it, but as we've seen, it will not stop it. Okay, so you've got, you know, hypocrisy on both sides. You got Fauci saying, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. You got Biden saying, you know, you can't cut off travel, and then you got to cut off travel. We got to take this seriously. First of all, it was an evolving thing. You talk about moving the goalposts. This was an evolving thing. This was something we'd never faced before. And there were a lot of unknowns and unknowables throughout the course of that year. Yeah. I mean, as far as the masks go, I'm with Fauci in that clip that I just played. That was from March 2020. I think he was spot on there. You know, he said, listen, not everyone has to wear a mask. It, it creates uh, additional complications. People are touching their face. Right. You know, people are pulling the mask down. Mm-hmm. They wear the same mask for like six months without washing it a single time. You know, you're, you're adding guilty. All, yeah. No, me too. <laughs> me too. Totally. And you're adding all these, you know, extra complicating factors in there. Masks are for people who are sick or have symptoms. If you look at like the actual where where wearing masks really originated, it's been going on for decades in 
uh, Asian countries. Like I went to China when I was in college and you would see people walking around wearing a mask because they have a cold or they're sick or whatever. They don't want to pass their germs on to somebody else. That's totally fine. That's what the mask is designed for, or it's designed for actual healthcare workers, people who work in hospitals and things like that. So they can ensure that they have, you know, a sterile working environment. You know, they wear gloves too. do. Are we supposed to walk around wearing uh, plastic gloves over our hands all day? No, I don't think so. Well, if you were really serious about this, and I talked about this on the air, we would have the same spacesuits that they wore when they walked on the moon. We'd (laughs) give one to everybody, right? Right. And that's how we would go about life, and it would have squished the thing pretty quickly. But, you know, there's a cost-benefit. Right, right. Th- that you weigh in every case, and I don't know what the cost of one of those space suits would be, but it'd probably be cost prohibitive. Right, but I mean, just just the thing with the mask is, it's like it's become this symbol. It is a of, symbol of like, well, first of all, it's become a political symbol. Right, but second of all, it's become totally ascientific. Right, it's like this thing where, oh, if you wear a mask, now you're like magically immune to getting sick. Mm-hmm. You can have you can have a bunch of people in a restaurant. As long as everyone's wearing a mask, you know, you can go to a, a live concert like I've done. You know, shows are starting to come back. Yeah. A lot of my friends are musicians. I'm a musician. So I'm going out and seeing my friends play. And it's like everyone's wearing a mask, you know, as if that's going to do anything. Like you're in a crowd of 100 people. What is wearing a mask going to do? Why are you wearing a mask and not wearing uh plastic gloves or rubber gloves? You know, like <laughs> what is the difference? I have and no idea. It's just it's. It's totally ascientific. It, it means nothing. And we've already seen, we have a full year of data that shows us that states that have not had a mask mandate are no, doing no worse and in some cases better than states that have had a mask well, mandate. Again, I came back from Florida and I felt like I was in America again because I was in Florida. I called it the free state of Florida. And then when I got back here and the CDC made their recommendation and His Highness the mayor decided, you know, that on at noon on Friday – we were going to lift the mask mandate in Kansas City, Missouri. Frank White followed very quickly. But I got in trouble on the show on Friday morning. Uh, one of our coworkers, who I will not name, okay, it was 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, there are probably five people working in this facility at 6 o'clock in the morning. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Okay. I came across him. Not me, by the way. I know. You're <laughs> not, not here. one of them. <laughs> I came across him in the kitchen, and he was wearing the full-on mask. And, and I was kind of ribbing him, and I said, well, haven't you seen the news? I mean, you, you can kind of ditch that thing now. It's, it's going to be okay. And he said, in all seriousness, not until noon. I can't do it until noon because that's when the order goes into effect. And, and I said that on the air, and this guy just went ballistic on me, said that I was mask shaming, and I finally felt like I talked him off the ledge right on Facebook. All this is happening on Facebook. We're going back and forth on Facebook. And then when I figured I had him talked off the ledge and we were going to be okay moving forward, my phone vibrates and I get an email. Okay. You know, not only am I the morning show host at KFKF, I've been the program director, which is a management level position Mm -hmm. for 26 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when you complain about something on KFKF, it's going to come to me. I'm, I'm also the complaint department. Right. So I get this email from this guy. Just so you know, your morning guy is shaming somebody on the air for wearing a mask, blah, 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 blah. So I went back on Facebook to him, and I said, FYI, when you write a letter to complain about the things at KFKF, they come to me. I'm the program director, so I am the complaint department as well. If you really want to get me in trouble, I'll give you the guy's name who you need to call right now. Uh, His name is Mark Harrell. Anybody listening right now, Mark Harrell is the general manager. Oh, boy. (laughs) And, you know, the company is run out of Pittsburgh, Steel City Media. The Frischling brothers own it, and they're awesome people. 
But if you really want to get me in trouble, you should start with Mark. And if Mark doesn't give you what you need, then you go to the Frischlings, which is why we Dale always speaks for himself. By the exactly. way, exactly, <laughs> which is why we always say at the end of Dale Carter's America, right. the opinions are mine and yours and mine. Yes, yeah, because I don't believe in everything you say, and you don't believe in everything I say. Guess yeah. what? We're individuals. Um, I don't know how you feel about God, but I think God designed all of us to be our own people. And there's one copy of all of us in this world. And you got to be the best you you can be. Well, I, I would like to say something about your uh, the complaint that you got. Yes. What's what's wrong with shaming? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I've, I've made Seriously. a living doing it for Seriously. 42 years. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, that, that seems like, you know, a controversial thing to say or, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek, which it kind yeah. of is a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. But, you know, what's wrong with shaming? Like, if somebody's driving in their car by themselves right. and they're wearing a mask... They should be shamed. Well, what, as far as I'm concerned, what this like, guy said to me so was, silly. you know, <laughs> we still had a mask mandate in place, and maybe he was setting up and preparing himself for somebody else walking into the room. And when I've made fun of people doing just that, driving right. by themselves in a car, wearing a mask, um, I've gotten pushback that maybe they're an Uber driver. Right. And so maybe, you know, they need to have that environment. How about the guy that I saw this morning at 3 a.m. walking down uh, Southwest Traffic Way? Uh, wearing a mask, oh, walking seen, by himself I've at 3 a.m. Yep, I've seen that. I was I was in the plaza, you know, this weekend. There's people all over the place walking outside with a mask. So even before the CDC changed their uh, mask requirement or, or what have you, there's been tons of data months before that that said that there is literally like as close to 0% chance as possible of transmitting COVID-19 when you're outside. That yeah. masks are not necessary. You know, that's why I, I didn't want to go to the to the baseball games is because it's like, it's stupid. Why are people wearing a mask? You're outside. You're not going to get COVID outside, you know? And and so, like, yeah, you see people walking around outside by themselves wearing a mask. Maybe they should be shamed. I mean, maybe, that, maybe a little shame is, like, healthy in society. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's wrong with that? It's not like people shame me all the time. People call me names all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like, oh, you're being mean. You're the. Well, I you don't know that I'm going to agree with you on that. I don't know that I'm going to be pro shaming of people. But if that if that's where you are, that's that's you, and you're for, entitled to for your the right. It's out of love, Dale. <laughs> it's out of love. <laughs> love each other. Take care of each other. Uh, and until next week, when we gather again around uh, whatever I used to say, gather around the radio, but it's a podcast. Gather around what you're. Uh, Gather around Your earbuds. The, the microphone. Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> this is Dale Carter's America. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to C at kfkf.com. Thanks for listening. Check back every week for new episodes.